Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. This is Shad. I'm joined by Matt and Brad, and we are continuing our retrospective on the life and career of Leon White, Big Van Vader. Before we go any further, we have a very special shout-out. Matt, who would that be to? That would be to Epico Cologne. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm hoping that Epico can... uh, Perhaps do a shout-out to, to Vader in the future. Uh, oh, yeah. Perhaps by dressing up as Cheatham, the one-eyed midget. <laughs> um, we'll be talking about him shortly. Oh, yes. man. So we we had a tiny bit of a snafu last week. We, 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 we had meant to go through 93, but um, these digital recorders are a little touchy, so we're actually... We we're going to go 94 to the end of his career, but we're going to go 92 to the end of his career. All right, so... Um, we'll, uh, we'll touch back on everything as we go. And, you know, if, if, uh, Epico can find one of those Vader, uh, red leather strap masks, I wish he'd let me know where, because I've been trying to find one for a couple months now. You know, I tried to find and, one too, and I don't see anything even like crappy fake ones. They used to sell them on high spots, Hmm. but they quit. That's anyway, funny. 92. So we, we start off with January of that year, and he's working with um, El Gigante on t- on house shows. And then on um, TV, he teams up with Mr. Hughes against the Steiner Brothers on Clash of the Champions and an episode of Power Hour. Power Hour. Um, I think everybody used that phrase in a promo at some point in the 80s. That was like a Friday night show they did for a while. It was, like, from 89 to, like, 94, I think. Okay. So, then, so that was... All right, I'm with you. Okay, so then um, April 2nd of 1992, that is our very first ever Sting vs. Vader match on a house show. You know, I wonder if it was, like, that good from the beginning, or they went out there and they did it, and they got to the back and they're like, you know what, we can do better with this. I'm just curious. Based on Vader's talent level, I would say it would be pretty good right off the bat. Probably, yeah. So around this, I don't know the date. Uh, I think you looked it up on Wikipedia. They had like his fir- Vader's first like title shot on TV, and he like injured Sting. Um, yeah, I have that right here. Let's see. That was. Uh, that was April twelfth, ninety-two. Um, it was a disqualification, apparently, after taking a Vader bomb stick, cracked a pair of ribs, and supposedly ruptured a spleen. I don't know if that was a work or a shoot, but, you know, there you are. I think they kept... Hell of a way to get a move over. I think they worked some house shows after this, but that doesn't mean Sting wasn't hurt. <laughs> You'd be surprised just how tough some wrestlers are. It's It's unreal. Yeah. So we get to um, May 1st of 1992. Uh, Big Van Vader and Crusher Bam Bam Bigelow beat Hiroshi Hase and Keiji Muto for the IWGP Tag Team titles. I'm glad you said Hiroshi's last name because I've been mangling it for years. (laughs) Just been saying it wrong. You know, it's a really good way to... um, learn how to pronounce their names is 
you can usually catch the ring announcer saying it. I hadn't thought about that. Well, they do. Usually the um, the ring announcer does their last name and then their first name. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, so it would be Hase Hiroshi is like how the announcer would do it. Oh, yeah, they, okay. They usually, they usually invert it uh, from the Western style where they, they do the surname first. Yeah. I mean, Dagum Furners or something. Now I'm just uh, playing it back in my head of the New Japan ring announcer going, Hase Hiroshi! And then the little crowd-like roar when they do it. Do they still do the crowd roar on the announcement, or do they just sit there and clap politely? No, crowds are very different now in Japan. They're very much more similar to American fans now and how they react to stuff. Okay. That, hmm. Well, fair enough. Well, it's, it was always it's always interesting um, because you you mentioned it during the Mudo Vader match. You're like, this crowd's really quiet until the end, and and that's um, a reaction a lot of people have. But they're quiet because they're watching. It just seems like they're not the the to to me like where my big thing, you know, I, I'm not gonna call myself great shakes as a worker. If for some reason you want to see some of my stuff, there I have some of it on video. But the one thing I could do is get people up and down. And if I couldn't get them up and down, then my assumption was they didn't care. They didn't want to be there and they didn't want to see it. So it's it's just it's very alien to me. Yeah, you get you get used to it. Like I said, like I told you the other night, they're even um, like if someone's out of the ring, they'll clap for you. They'll clap for you rolling them back in the ring for the sportsmanship, but they'll also clap and pop if you just dive over the ring and take them out, too. <laughs> so, um, but it's, Japanese wrestling has changed a lot in the last 10 years. It's ve- it's very similar to American wrestling now. Well, like the, the, the match that, from the Vader uh, Mudo match, they were active in a lot of it. But now, like I've watched some more recent stuff, and they're just so dead quiet at the beginning. I, I, it just weirds me out, man. Yeah, it, it's it's much more. Um, wrestling is treated much more like a sport in Japan, though. So. Um, some of the things the crowd does is from like being a respectful, like paying attention place than it is like uh, they're not, they don't care. I'd rather have them get mad and throw beer, to be honest with you. That's that's yeah. what I'd prefer. So we hit we hit July twelfth. I wanted to say second for some reason of nineteen ninety two. Big Van Vader beats Sting for the world title. Great American Bash nineteen ninety two. This is actually one I watched after um, Vader passed. This is a pretty good match. Yeah. And um, yeah. we also forgot to mention it, but um, around this time, Harley Race becomes his manager. Yeah, the, the, we, the, the rationale behind that's always kind of eluded me, but, you know, whatever. I really didn't care for Harley Race as a manager. Because I felt Harley Race interjected himself too much into the matches. I, I, 
my problem with it was I didn't know why. Like, you know, if if the uh, the the one thing I'd heard is that Harley could control him. Okay, that makes sense. I just wish they would have. I could have heard them say it at some point. Otherwise, it's just you know, hey, Harley's with Vader. Yeah. No. Bless you. Thank you. Whoa. Doubled up on me. Sorry about that, folks. I thought you said no after the first one. I said whoa. Okay. So then we get to August 2nd of 1992. Ron Simmons beats Big Van Vader for the world title. And this is a, this is a crazy match. Uh, what show did this air on? Was it wasn't this just um? It was on. Was it, was it a on house the Great show? American Bash Tour '92? It was a house show. But they taped it because I remember they showed the match on maybe like WCW Saturday Night or something like that. And yeah, they it was a lot of like pomp and circumstance. They're like, hey, there was a title change, and I was like, what? And then they showed the match. And it's such a shock ending. Um, I th- it's worth finding on uh, on the the WWE Network, or I think it's it's probably even up on. Uh, it's on YouTube, I think. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube. Uh, if you don't want to watch the whole match, it's a quick match. It's only like maybe ten minutes long. Um, but watch like the there's like a two minute video out there where it's kind of just like the the last minute or two of it when Simmons wins it and he, he wins it by doing this. If Vader goes for a Vader bomb, uh, Simmons escapes and Vader like runs to the ropes and then, uh, Ron Simmons power, power slams them. Uh, and Vader really sold it. Well, like he, he jumped into the power slam and it was an awesome moment because as soon as it happens, there's like a kid in the in uh, the front row that's going crazy. It, they did it in like in Baltimore. Um, so Baltimore, if you've never been there, it's a kind of a different it's different demographics of the city. So the fact that Ron Simmons became effectively like the first, well, I think he was the first African American WCW champion until years years later when we got Booker T. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, so everyone was going crazy, and they, they they really it was amazing too because a, a bunch of baby faces come out and start celebrating with him immediately. That was a Bill Watts thing, right? Yeah. If you want to play, really? if you want to play fast and loose with um, title lineage, uh, Bobo Brazil technically won the world title in the '60s, which. You can pretend like the NWA title feeds into them, but, you know, it's not the same thing. That was a Bill Watts thing, though. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I remember that, and uh, I've heard a Watts shoot that he talked about some of the stuff he was trying to do, but um, couldn't get off the ground because of the resistance he got, but, you know. He, um... Well, there's there's um, a couple things. One, there's a Ron Simmons shoot where they have a clip of it on YouTube of him talking about winning the world title, which is worth uh, actually looking up because he talks about – he said there were people like crying in the stands and stuff. 
Yeah, you see that. There's a there's a clip, and you can see one. At least maybe it's the same kid who's like jumping up and down the front row, but he's clearly has tears streaming down his eyes. He's so excited and happy. That's in Foley's first book too, isn't it? I think he talks about it. I think he mentions it. Yeah. And then um, you can probably find out on any Bill Watts interview, but if you can track down Bill Watts kind of talking about his philosophy of of booking black wrestlers, um, it's interesting to yeah. actually see it. So pretty much what it boils down to with Bill Watts is he always wanted to push black wrestlers because he felt it was business exposing that um, black athletes were dominating in other sports but they weren't in wrestling. So that's kind of his his um, reasoning behind it. And if yeah. um, you watch Old Mid-South, uh, he had a lot of success with the Junkyard Dog. But it, it, it makes, you know, to hear him explain it, it does make sense. You just don't, um, you know, it, a lot of people are, are so eager to just kind of Jump on, jump on, dumping on Watts, so. Well, really, it's, a lot of people like to dump on him for being a racist, but if you go back and watch Old Mid-South, it's not just the junkyard dog. He has black wrestlers all up and down the card with Mm -hmm. differing roles, and if you watch other promotions at the same time, it is stark in his treatment of black wrestlers versus a lot of other promotions. Mm-hmm. So it's anyway, it, I, I do like to give more credit to Bill Watson. Some people do. He's, I mean, there's a lot of mid South on the network. It is worth watching. Um, because he does, he's, he, he takes a very thoughtful approach. He brings in different bookers. He's very open-minded to changing his approach to wrestling. Mm-hmm. and adapting with the times. I've kind of just started going through from where they, they started it on the network. So they, they started like December 91, December 81, I believe. Okay. I, I need to look it up because I, like I said, I heard a shoot interview with him and it was just to hear why he did certain things that he did. was made perfect sense. So anyway, where I think, uh, where I think are we what, at? I think where he got in trouble with WCW is they brought him back and he was not actively following wrestling at the time. And I think that's where he ultimately kind of got in trouble with WCW as far as the quality of the product. It's. Well, we, we can talk about that another time that yeah. there's a lot to unpack in there. So we hit October 25th of 1992. Vader beats Nikita Koloff in a no-DQ match. He sends uh, poor Nikita Koloff off into the sunset for good. This was also a spin-the-wheel, make-the-deal match. Oh, man. Spin-the-wheel. Oh, man. Is it it true that they forgot to gimmick the wheel for this one year? Or... That was for '93 when it was Sting um, versus Sting and Jake. Jake Roberts. Yeah. No, it, it just, Sting and Jake were at this one, I think. 
No, the, this is not, not, not 92. Um, Sting and Roberts were as in 93. Roberts was only in WCW for like, I would, maybe six months. I think it's maybe. 92 because he left because Watts didn't want to pay his contract. Hmm. Uh, oh, actually, you're right. You're right. You're right. Because 93 is, um, is Vader and Cactus Jack. Yeah. It's... Um, yeah, because that that match ended up being a coal miner glove match, which had to only be put on the wheel as a, uh, you know, as just something to fill a slot. But still, yeah, this pay per view was actually really successful for them because they got a lot of interest for um, Jake versus Sting. <laughs> It's it's unfortunate that they've got so much interest for it, and then this is what happened. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Nikita legit retired after this because he suffered a couple of injuries that I believe uh, Shad looked up for us. Yeah, it was he he took a stiff clothesline which herniated discs in his neck, and in trying to slam Vader, he uh, uh, gave himself a hernia. So. You know, that, that was kind of the end on Nikita. Fun, fun. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that... I, I ended up leaving because of my neck. It's My neck is messed up, and I have bone spurs in it, so I completely understand why I did. I think my dad just had bone spurs fixed. That would be nice if I could get my insurance to cover more of it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Fun. yeah. I could so I couldn't find an exact date on this, but this is around the time period where he breaks uh Joe Thurman's back. Yeah. Um Which I was never sure if that was uh legit or not, but apparently it is. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I whenever I first started looking at uh wrestling online you know, around 2000 or so and start actually thinking about this sort of stuff. It's something I went and looked up. It was a legit thing. And like periodic, periodically on their shows, they'd give an update on Joe Thurman. So who's a, in your professional opinion, cause I don't think I've seen the clip in a long time. Whose fault was it that uh, his back got broke? Mm, let me look at the clip real quick. Because I know, like, when Marty Jannetty broke that guy's neck, wasn't it kind of the guy taking the move's fault on that one? Yeah, because the guy went to go take it as a, um, the guy went to take it as, as a pile driver. Like, he just dove himself headfirst into it instead of, um, the, uh... Rocker dropper. Yeah, instead of taking a face bump. Who, uh, who was at fault with the Triple H one? That was, but that was again. Kind of that that was the the guy taking it. It was um, Triple H just setting him up for it, and the guy just takes a header instead of, uh, you know, instead of um, taking the move like he's supposed to. Yeah, because I think I think what kind of happens with some of these job matches just to buy time for Shad is um, it was kind of sketchy. Some of the guys they brought in in their training level. Yeah, and I think that's where some of these um, incidences came from. 
I'm uh, I'm looking at the the match where he breaks Joe Thurman's back. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I don't really feel he's at fault. It's it seems kind of freak accident. Yeah, kind of the kind of he he goes to pick him up in a in a Vader bomb, in a power bomb, and there's like a, a slight looks like there's a slight misconnection where. Like he's about to lift Thurman up, and Thurman doesn't do it, but then he does. Uh, but then he drops him down. He doesn't just release him; he kind of like throws him down. But I can't even say it's like he's. He doesn't drop him on his head or anything. No, it's... I. It's it's like he the guy just landed. Just exactly wrong to do it. Yeah, I, I don't think there it's, was a clear fault. It's... I don't doesn't look anything intentional. Is what it I'm looks at. like. A lot of Vader power bombs do, you know, the look the way Vader typically did the power bombs. So the it, it you know kind of what happened with Tyson Kidd and Samoa Joe. It, it was just something that happened, and so post match, post match, like Vader kind of just first off, Vader just like like turns him over and kind of lays on him leisurely like but not even putting any pressure on him and afterwards he's kind of just like standing over him and you could see he's talking to him yeah and the ref is like trying to like push him away and it, it they they did it quite well in the sense that it looks like he's just like dom like standing over dominating the guy yeah but i it, you know knowing the behind the scenes i think he's legit concerned about the guy's welfare and he's checking right out. The, like the, he has enough presence to cover for what they're doing, but he's also smart enough to know something's wrong, so he doesn't like drop his weight on him to pin him and stuff. The worst one I ever saw on TV, not not Bagwell, obviously, because that one was awful. Or the Sid break was um when Canyon and Raven botched oh, that double with team with the Vianos and oh, Raven. Viano. Oh yeah, and Raven was yeah. just holding his head in place. It's like ooh, that probably wasn't good. No. And because um, that happened, like that Viano had just come back from like an eight month injury, like an eight month time off for injury. And then this happens and you know something's wrong because Canyon's face changes and he throws his hands up and stuff. So it's just like, oh, and like Raven, his expression never changes. I also think the worst one, the other bad one was... um. When Lesnar dropped Holly right on his head, yeah, uh, that that one gets a little more muddy because it's not just like it's it, it's not just like some freak thing with Thurman. It's there's stuff about Holly sandbagging him through it and things yeah. like that. So we move on to Starcade. 12-28-92, King of Cable Tournament Final. Sting beats Vader. I did watch this one the other day, and it's the commentary team does such a good job adding to the story here because the the story is Sting. Like this is the first time Sting beats Vader, I think, on like a big show. And Sting's plan is I'm gonna wear let Vader wear himself out. Like he's gonna weather the storm let Vader hammer on him and then when Vader gets tired because he's so big and he it takes so much for him to do that he's going to capitalize and um, you know it just works like Sting comes up for air every now and then 
and starts unloading on Vader. And he's just he Sting just had the like the right body type that you could believe that he's hurting Vader whenever he hits him, but then Vader starts wailing on him and he covers up. It's really, really good. Um, I don't know if he was on this show, but um, someone who gets kind of a bad rap in this time period that I actually think is kind of underrated is um, Jesse Ventura on commentary in this era. He was good during this match. He, he was good. It, yeah, he, he kind of got burnt out not that long afterwards, but he was uh, he was good. He was very good in this area. He was good. He was working with um, Ross and Shivani, I think. Yeah, because he did the one. The one I watched, Ventura was on commentary, and I thought he did an excellent job. Yeah, I th- he he did a great job in this match. And the interesting thing is, he's being the heel commentator, but he's not. Um, he doesn't have to not be like cartoon. cartoonish. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He's not being cartoonish about it. It's he's being the he's being he's like I think Vader's got this. I don't think Sting can handle it. Where I think um. Where I think Sting was such a good opponent for Vader is he was so athletic that he could pinball for Vader, but he was also big enough that he could throw Vader around, and it was believable both ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, Lord, Sting scoop-slammed the giant on one Nitro, even. so Effortlessly scoop-slammed. Yeah, it looked really good. Was that when he? That was when he joined the Wolf Pack, wasn't it? Mm, it did happen then, but it happened other than that when he was in the black and white face paint. Not yeah. well. Now I'd have to look it up. Yeah. Anyway, that's not really the yeah. point. So then we get to um, December thirtieth. Vader wins the world title back for Ron Simmons, and I'm. I actually think this just came out on the network. Oh, okay. So it'd be easy to look up then. Hey, Matt, were you watching when this was all happening? Like, were yeah. you an active watcher? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I started watching in like the summer of '92, and I uh, I was I watched pretty religiously from there. Cool. What um what what would you say kind of the general feel that you had for the Sting Vader stuff at the time was? Oh, there were it, it was a tremendous matches. Mm-hmm. I remember my favorite of all of them was probably the King of Cable one because, well, because again, that was a sting marks so that he went over. Um, but that is that is actually an excellent match where it is just he Sting's game plan going in was just to wear him down and and eventually just like take it by having him punch out basically. Um, so that one was probably my favorite, and I think that was probably like the arguably like the best worked one, but. They they all of the matches they had together were were solid. Like they had a chemistry that was. <sighs> Vader had a, Vader had obviously some excellent matches over his career, um, but I think maybe past Hanson and like the dynamic they had, like the the matches he had with Sting were probably the best ones he had. At least my favorite of his career. Yeah, it's. Sometimes they, they, you got they, someone and you just click with them. Yeah, like they they clearly like it worked. Like they 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 got how to fight each other. Yeah. So speaking of uh, Sting Invader, on February twenty first, 
the White Castle of Fear leather strap match, Vader defeats Sting. This is probably... I don't know if this is the best one because the King of Cable one's really good, but this is also, like, a really good match. Minus mm-hmm. the the White Castle of Fear stuff. Nah, it makes me want to crave case. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. It, I... There's just something about their burgers I've never I've never cared for. Their chicken rings are okay, but eh. It's hard to describe, but they to be honest with you, there's just so much flavor in them that uh, I enjoy it. Yeah. I um we have a we mentioned this on kind of like the the part of the podcast that didn't last eight by the uh, recorder, but we have a Canadian friend who. Apparently bought a whole, uh, bought and ate an entire box of them, but not the not not fresh from the actual. No, he bought like the frozen ones you can. Yeah, get Yeah, which at Walmart. is not not something yeah. I would recommend doing. Um, no, that's, have, it's not the same. Unless you have? have a colonoscopy the next day, then go for it. Yeah, it'll, it'll clear you out. Um, uh, Shad, you're in what Kentucky again or Tennessee? Yeah. I'm in Kentucky. That's all right. I'm like, not a they, dirty volunteer. Don't talk to me like that. Do they have, do they have <laughs> White Castle there? Mm-hmm. Really? So there's, I... There's parts of the world where there's both White Castle and Crystal. Kind of. That's like what I was going to go into. Cause I, so What's my family crystal? is... My, oh, it's basically it's the it's White Northern Castle of White the Castle. South. Really? It's, it's, it, is, it is the same thing. It's just... It's basically... I don't know if they have fried chicken too. I don't think they do, but it's it's effectively White Castles, and I ate many of those back in the day because my family's originally from Georgia, um, and I we would go down there occasionally to visit relatives or check on like my grandma's house. So we would eat crystals because it's down there. It's down all in like the south. Mm-hmm. Oh, I you know what I um we saw one when we were in Nashville. And I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was some burger place. I would have been really upset if it was just <laughs> White Castle. <laughs> no, you find them in random places sometimes. There's one right on at the beginning of Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Um, There's many people who go so, in so there. So it's like it's like the exact same food. Yeah. Wow. It's, For the most it's part, very I mean, similar. So it's is it the menu? The menu might not be exactly. Is it like that? But it's the same concept. It's like little oh. burger sliders. If they're sliders, the the White Castles, I feel like have some more flavor to them. So it's not like um, Hardee's and Carl Juniors, where it's the same restaurant just with different names. No, I don't think they're owned by the same company. Okay. No, no, I don't think so. It's um, really weird. My work gets um, White Castle brand coffee for the coffee maker. Hmm. They have yeah. pretty good coffee. It's 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 far from the worst coffee I've ever had. Let me tell you. I it's just in my head now, but um, I was I was kind of preparing for the I was kind of doing my research and the um the IHOP commercials are playing about IHOP and I'm just I know it's a gimmick, but I'm just like that is the dumbest name. Yeah, yeah. There, it's supposed to be a limited time thing. See, that's how bad the vignette for the White Castle of Fear was, as we're talking about Crystal and uh, and White Castle and IHOB right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, I thought, 
I thought my wife was kidding when she told me that. So we have our neighbors have little chihuahuas and they're they're evil little creatures. Mm-hmm. And so if you've ever played Fable for um, Xbox, they have little goblins in them called Hobbs. So I call the neighbor Chihuahuas Hobbs because they're wicked little monsters. Yeah. And so she said that, and I just like, oh, haha, you're making a joke because of the stupid little dogs next door. And then I see it on there, I'm like, oh, you weren't kidding. Yeah. Just because it was, it was so perplexing. Like I understood, like once I saw it, like that they're just flipping the P upside down, you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I wouldn't go to IHOP and get a burger. I just, you go to IHOP for pancakes. I I get omelets there, but. Because I don't, I don't want to take a nap. <laughs> if I go to IHOP, I don't want to have to take a nap immediately. Oh, and speaking of the next match, um, <laughs> there's, there's our segue. House, there's a Waffle House story attached to the well, attached to the series that kind of starts around the next match. Um, so on March first, um, on main event, Vader beats Cactus Jack. This isn't like um, the big one. Okay. But. Um, have either of you guys ever gone to Mick Foley's one-man show? I wanted to, but I wasn't able to when it was in town. I saw him. He came and spoke at my college, like the 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 prequel to a whole bunch of this stuff. It was like a couple of years after his first book came out. He started speaking at colleges, and I got to see him then. So he, he told this story at that show about how he's eating at a Waffle House. Um like at two o'clock in the morning, some scary guy sits down next to him and pretty much told him he wanted him to beat Vader's ass, like in this time frame. <laughs> he did it with like a voice and everything, and it's much more humorous than I just told it. But uh, that's one of the stories he told at his one man show, which if that ever comes to your town, it's totally worth it. If you read the first book, it's not going to be that original, but he's a good storyteller. Yeah, yeah, he is. So, okay. So, um, the next two happens on a um, in the England and Ireland. So on three eleven in England, Sting beats Vader for the title. On um, three seventeen in Ireland, Vader beats Sting to win the title back. So one of those quickie changes for a new market. That um, probably never made its way to TV or was ever acknowledged. Yeah, if they even acknowledged it on TV. Okay, so this one is a bit of an oddity. Um, 420, 1993 on Worldwide in the Computer Contenders Challenge, Vader beats Steamboat. To be fair, if you look at how, from kayfabe perspective, if you look at how Steamboat worked... It just didn't seem like he was ever going to really be, handle Vader that well. He uh, he works Steamboat off and on on house shows through uh, 93, I believe. Okay. Maybe in 92 a bit, too. So then uh, the 420 Saturday night and the 427 Saturday nights has the whole Foley thing. On 420, Foley beats him by countout. And then, Cactus um, Jack crack smash for the win. Yes. And then um, on 427, poor Cactus Jack gets powerbombed on the floor and then sadly gets lost in Cleveland for several weeks. Oh, God. 
That's one of the saddest parts of his book, is reading about the lost in Cleveland stuff. Okay, um, I um I would say that the the only reason they got to do it got him to do it was we'll take you off the road for six months and we'll pay you. Yeah. So then, um, May sixth, nineteen ninety three, Vader starts working for UWFI. Um, if you've never heard of UWFI, it's kind of a shoot style promotion that was owned by Takata. Um, there's knockouts. I think there's some rule where you only get so many rope breaks. It's a much more map-based shooty style. Mm. Um, it's kind of odd that Vader ended up there, honestly. Yeah, it, it, it just seems so weird to me to have this predetermined finish, yet you're really going to beat the crap out of each other yeah. thing. It's just so weird to me. See, on uh, May 23rd, Davy Boy Smith beats Vader by DQ in a title match at Slambury 93. Um, I didn't write it down, but I believe um, at Beach, it's probably Beach Blast this year. I think uh, that was um, Sting and Davy Boy beating the Masters of the Powerbomb. Oh. Which has has Matt's favorite character of all time. (laughs) You still haven't forgiven us, have you? Oh, Matt, are you still with us? I think he just uh, passed out with joy. Oh, man. I just have to wait for a second. Hold on. Yeah, we, we were talking about your favorite thing, the um, the Masters of the Power Bomb beach bomb promo that we reintroduced into your consciousness. Yeah, I had uh, I completely forgotten about that. Um, until you guys brought it up, and now I'm going to have to try and purge that from my memory again. You mean watch it over and over again? Yeah. It's kind of like trying to get Cotton Eye Joe out of your head, isn't it? Ugh. (laughs) You know what's sad is I actually, I had actually melded this together with the White Castle of Fear in my brain, and somehow them being two separate incidences makes them far worse. Yeah. Uh, it, it also had the, the little person planting the bomb on, I don't know if it was Sting's boat or Davy Boy's, but, oh man, that was, and, and, and they had the, um, the, I can't remember what it's called, the world, the, the D-Day landing boats. I know there's a name for them, but that pulled up on the beach and the front drops down and out walks Vader onto the beach in full gear and Sid wearing flip flops. Well, Sid was probably Sid probably was uh, late getting there because of a softball game. Yeah, probably. It's it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it was Sting's boat because I don't feel like anyone in their right mind would give Davy Boy a boat and allow him to operate it. God, there's there's just so much to unpack there, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to you don't want a coke fiend. Uh, driving around a, a boat, probably doing the early rendition of the Lonely Island song while he's on it, right? <laughs> so we'll just skate on past that now. Let's see, August eighteenth, um, title can change hands on a DQ. Vader beats Davy Boy. 
Um, September 19th, War Games, Davy Boy Smith, Dustin Rhodes, Sting, and none other than Shock Master <laughs> defeat Harlem Heat, <laughs> Big Van Vader, and Sid Vicious at oh. Fall Brawl. Ah, the Shockmaster. I don't think Vader was in the promo where Shockmaster debuted. Like, Harlem Heat and Sid were there, but I don't remember seeing Vader in any of the shots. No, I don't either. I do. Have you ever watched it lately and you could hear Davy Boy be like, ha ha ha, he fell on his ass? Yeah. You can't. And then after that, I went and watched Dusty trying to justify what happened. That someone was trying to sabotage him and put a board in the wall after they did a practice run. You know, um, I don't know what's worse is him falling through the wall or his stupid stormtrooper hat falling off and him like scrambling to try and like put it back on. I've debated going to conventions as the Shockmaster. I just don't know how many people would get it. I think you might be surprised. It is pretty... I mean, that's up there with the it's still real to me, damn it, guy. (laughs) Oh, I'd need a big bubba to carry around a bicycle with me, too. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Um... October 24th. Oh, we'll get back to Sid, too, because uh, there's some important Sid tidbits after the next match. You mean Sid bits? Yes. Okay. October 24th. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm a dad. I have to make dad jokes now. Let's see. October 24th. Spin the wheel. Make the deal at Halloween. They did this twice. Oh, man. Um, Halloween Havoc, Vader beats Cactus Jack in a Texas death match. Yeah, I was, uh, I was bitter about this because I was a Cactus Jack fan at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, it makes me sad. Foley kept getting so over, but he kept not winning, you know? There was a match I watched, I don't, I think it was around this time where he, Beats Paul Orndorff by hitting him in the head with a shovel, and he gets a huge-ass pop when he pins him. Oh, was that, um... It was a Clash was, of the Champions, I think. Yeah, I think was it was, that like, that um, brawl? Yes. It was, I think he, um... He wasn't... I don't know if he was fully turned at that point, but, yeah, he it was, like, a, a brawl. Um, and he, he hit him with a shovel... <laughs> And then I think later on the match he was in, it was like the thunder. It was like a thunder cage cage match, and he was like the the third guy. The Thunderdome. Cause I got to be honest with you guys, I just can't get beyond Thunderdome. Why? Um. So I'm looking at this. Why the crap was didn't they put him in War Games? Ah, uh, whatever. <sighs> no idea. They, they did such good stuff in this time period, and then they did some really dumb stuff, too. Yeah. So, um, before we get to the next two matches, so... Sid was supposed to beat him for the title at Starcade, but um, that whole incident with him and Arn Anderson pretty much trying to kill each other happened, so Sid got fired. Yeah, there's a lot of weird story that goes on around that, um, so, depending guess- on who you talk to. 
I guess the gist of it, I guess the agreed upon is Sid, like, kicked in his door and attacked him with a broken piece of a chair, and Arn defended himself with a pair of scissors. Which and Sid then got a hold of and started stabbing Arn with, right? They stabbed each other, I believe. I just know there was blood everywhere. And they weren't like, um, they were, they weren't like, they were like dull scissors just to like add into the horror of it all. Oh. And this is not to be, this is not to be confused with a squeegee fight. No, not, that's, that's a whole different, God, Sid's just covered up in those stories, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's. Sid's a one of a kind. Thankfully. So, uh, they made some lemonade out of lemons with this, so on November 10th, Ric Flair beats Big Van Vader by DQ at um, Clash of the Champions, which leads us to, well, there is is a match between here, so on December 5th, UWFI Nobuhiko Takata successfully defends the World Wrestling... Sorry, the Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight title against Super Vader. Um, then we get to December 27th. Ric Flair beats Big Van Vader to be, to win the World Heavyweight title at Starcade. There was a lot of build for this match, too. If you, if you think about the era, this was probably... I mean, Matt will probably be able to answer this, but this is probably like a dream match. Yeah, I remember th- these, this match and like his his whole entire feud with Flair being kind of like a big deal at the time. Um, and I was looking really looking forward to it. And I actually feel like those matches, you know, it's been many years since I've seen those. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, they they I remember them all being pretty good. They're not as they're not, obviously not as good as the the Sting Vader matches, which is kind of crazy. Like you think that you would think that Flair for being so great on his own right, that he would be able to have, like, at least potentially have the better matches, but I feel like the Sting matches can take the cake, but I I do recall these being pretty good. I think think Flair doesn't have that aura that Sting had that made those Sting-Vader matches extra special. There's also a question of style matchup, because Sting's style is kind of in a way that works with about anybody, but it's kind of hard for the way Flair typically worked to match up well against Vader. It, it, I mean, it can, but it's tough. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, um, 1993 was quite the year for Vader. So, he wins PWI Wrestler of the Year, the Wrestling Observer Wrestler of the Year, Best Heel in the Wrestling Observer, and in the Wrestling Observer... The Moonsault got the best move. He was also number two in the PWI Top 500. That's, yeah, incidentally, he got number two after Bret Hart that year. So oh, that makes sense, because that was Bret's big, big year. Ah, okay. So that's, that's a good year for Vader. That's probably... That's the best year of his career, and it's pro- it's going to be kind of a couple steps down for a couple years after this. Right. 94 is still pretty good, though. 
So let's start off 1994 with a bang. Super Brawl 4. Thunder Cage match. Special referee, the boss. Ric Flair beats Vader. So I kinda, I, This was in a cage, right? Yeah. Yeah, this was in the Thunder Cage. I don't know the what a Thunder Dome? I don't I don't feel like uh, this is one of those weird WCW isms. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's basically just a, kind of like a regular cage, but they always yeah. had to screw with the cage. They could never just have a cage match. Yeah. Um I remember watching this one because at some point someone runs over um runs over the boss cuz and the, like runs him over and takes the keys from him. Uh, Harley did, right? Probably. As yeah. an aside, I feel like the best uh, Thunder Cage type <laughs> match that WCW did was in uh, 89 when it was Sting and... God, who was it? Was it, it, was, was Sting, it Sting and Flair versus... Yeah, it was Sting and Flair versus Funk and Muda, yeah. And the, the top of the cage was the uh, quote-unquote electrified. Oh, I Okay, so it's one of the rare matches you'll ever see where Sting and Flair teamed up, and Flair didn't immediately turn on him. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how hard Flair was holding back from stabbing him in the back out of pure reflex. Yeah, Flair Flair tried really hard, and then Arn came back and tempted him to the dark side, and they kicked Sting out of the Horseman. That's because the dark side has cookies. Yes. Okay. So, uh. Interesting here with the boss is he still had his big boss man gear on, but I'm I'm assuming in a couple months he has to change it because of a lawsuit from the WWE. That's yeah, and that's he becomes the guardian angel, which yeah. is the worst gimmick ever. Yeah, it was we'll bad. get to that when that match starts. So um, March 16th is the infamous match in Germany where Mick Foley loses his ear. Yeah. The time I got to meet Vader was actually, I, Vader and Foley were both there that weekend, and it was the anniversary, like the 20-year anniversary of the ear thing. Is it 20-year? It's not 20-year, is it? Uh, it, it, was, it was an anniversary of it. And, um, it would have been 2013. The in, yeah, it sounds, sounds close. Anyway, it was interesting because they did a panel together. And Vader stopped everything. Says you guys have to understand just how easy it was to work with Mick because he's like a wrestling savant. He figures it out. He knows what will and won't work. So I could just go out there and do stuff, and he would tell me, you know, timing and stuff like that, which would, you know, massive compliment. The fact that Vader is saying that about Mick is, you know, it's a big deal. I think, um, I think in Foley's book, he said this was, this largely happened because the ring ropes were too tight. Yeah. Um, the road crew, uh, went out and tightened them all the way up after Scorpio had a match and said the ropes were loose. Yeah. So then, um, April 17th at Spring Stampede, Vader defeats the boss. So I feel like, and I'm going to say this as these matches go on, so I kind of feel like the Vader vs. Ray trailer matches are kind of forgotten classics of this era. 
You know, I feel like they were underrated. Um, they actually worked pretty well together. Yeah, because it's just two big guys going at it. And, I mean, you don't think of it because, you know, he wrestled for the WWF for a long time. But Ray Trailer was a really good worker, and working stiff was not something he was afraid of doing. Mm-hmm. Right. It was good. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're good. So this, uh, they, they, they wrestle each other a crap ton until Halloween Havoc from here on out. So then on uh, April 30th, we get a Texas death match on Worldwide where Vader beats Cactus Jack. Lord knows when this aired because they were doing the Disney tapings by now. Oh, okay. Whew. Um, let's see. May 22nd, um... Match for the vacant uh, international world heavyweight title, Sting beats Vader. And this okay. is Slambury. So this is when Sting was starting to get back over on Vader. Yeah. This is kind of this is kind of where Vader starts to slide down the card. Well, I mean, he'd been on top so much that it's kind of got to happen sooner or later. Let's see. July 17th, um, Bash at the Beach. Vader beats the Guardian Angel by DQ. Um, August 7th on main event. The Guardian Angel beats Vader by reverse decision. And by the way, the Guardian Angel gimmick is really god-awful. He looks like a rent-a-cop. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and there's like... They played it on some other show. Um, what the Guardian Angel thing was. And it's really it's really dumb. Yeah, it's supposed to be a civilian vigilante group. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, they're clearly not as cool as Dwight Schrute's Knights of the Night. So, <sighs> just <laughs> I still like when he dressed as um, Kira Norris from. No, no, I'm th- I'm thinking the um, Kerrigan. Yeah, Kerrigan is a is a Zerg, and he had to keep explaining it to everyone. Yeah, because he could, and he was mad because he couldn't keep the blades on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, August eighteenth, um, he beats Nobuhiko Takada for the World Wrestling, the Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight Title in um, UWFI. Um, this is also the final of the Best of the World nineteen ninety four tournament. This is, other than Takada, he's the only other person that's held that championship. Really? Yeah. But UWFI only lasted like three or four years. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Let's see. September 18th, Fall Brawl 1994 in a number one contenders match for the world title. Vader defeats Sting and the Guardian Angel. Um, I, I watched the first part of this because it was the triangle thing was everybody flipped a coin. So the two guys with the matching... Flip had to do the first match, so it was Ray Trailer and Vader, and I think Harley Race got involved in in Vader winning that, but I didn't get a chance to to watch the rest of it just because of time. Understandable. Um, October fourth, Sting beats Vader by DQ on Saturday night. Um, at um, October twenty third at Halloween Havoc. 
Vader defeats the Guardian Angel. This one's uh, that one's actually a pretty good match for as short as it is. You know, I like shorter matches because you're not you're not stretching it out and trying to do something big with it. If you keep the pace up on a shorter match, you can have a really you can have a something that's fun to watch. It works better for Vader's move set too. It was something I tried to do, and some people would get irritated with me, but. I was listening to the crowd, and when they were ready for us to be done, that's when I try and get get us done. Yeah. Let's see. Um, at December 27th, at Starcade, Vader beats Jim Duggan for the United States heavyweight title. Uh, well, that would be Duggan trying to outmuscle Vader, which is an unlikely proposition. Yeah. Then, um, was Matt, how over was Duggan as a U.S. champion at this time? I don't feel like he, I feel like he was over kind of as a nostalgia act, but I don't feel like he was really over with the title. I mean, he, I okay. remember him kind of getting some pops, but. There was, wasn't there kind of a weird divide of like the Hogan people coming in and they cheered those guys, but like the WCW fans had like no buy-in? Yeah. Because you're kind of missing out on context. Yeah, and then they started doing stupid things like, well, I mean, obviously there was more play, but then you had you had Duggan beating Steve Austin for the title in like a minute. Oh, which was just a travesty, like to this day. Yeah. Let's see. On January sixteenth, this one's more a um. Just more of a oddity of a match. So, Vader successfully defends the Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight title. I finally said it right. In UWFI against uh, Gary Albright. Okay. Wow, they're both dead. That's really sad. Oh. <laughs> um, February 19th, Super Brawl 5. Hulk Hogan beats Vader by DQ. This actually is a really good match, and I wish Hogan hadn't have uh, bitched out on further matches because they stiffed the crap out of each other in this one. Is this after Hogan killed Vader's powerbomb? No, that was more Bash at the Beach. Was it? Okay. This is like them just beating the living crap out of each other. Okay. Because there was this thing where Hogan like had agreed to... like. There was some weird thing, I think, where Hogan had agreed to, like, not pull his shenanigans. Yeah. With this. Um, so after this, he... Well, no, no, sorry. Um, so then we get to... And uh, Matt had mentioned this match earlier. Uh, March 19th at Uncensored. In a strap match, Hogan beats Vader. Didn't Hogan win this by dragging Flair around instead of Vader, though? I think this was that, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, really it. So, uh, around this time frame, he starts hanging out with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and teaming with them quite a bit. Okay. So, on um, April 20th, he loses the Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight title back to Takata. Uh, that's his last UWFI match. Okay. Um, at Slamboree on May 21st, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage defeat Ric Flair and Vader. This is the only time I found in uh, my looks that, where he wrestled Randy Savage. 
Really? That's interesting that they, they didn't cross paths. The uh, July 16th, uh, Hogan beats Vader at Bash at the Beach. I believe this is where he kills the power bomb. Of all of the things that Hogan oh, has done, steel like, cage. like all of the crappy things Hogan has done to people, I, I kind of hold this up as one of the worst. Yeah. This is actually on an actual beach, too, and it's a god-awful show. Oh. This also has um, Kamala vs. Jim Duggan on it. Oh. Wow. Yeah. There's part of me that wants to see that, and then the rest of me says I don't. It's on the network. It's. I know, but... I remember renting this from Blockbuster Video. Ugh. Let's see. Um, August 6th, Clash of the Champions. He beats Arn Anderson and Ric Flair in a handicap match. You know, Vader oh. was one of those people. Vader, I feel like that, that um, Braun Strowman is kind of built on the Vader chassis, so to speak. And so a lot of what we see is, is Braun doing Vader things, which I'm totally fine with. Um I've never had a problem with Vader being a guy that that wins handicap matches like that. I, I forgot to mention, this is also when, like, Hogan recruited him for the Dungeon of Doom. So he had, like, a quasi-face turn. Oh, okay. So then, uh, August 9th, he beats Bobby Starr and Scott Demore on Saturday night. This is, sadly, Vader's final WCW match. That's... Yeah, the implications of what that, that leads to is kind of sad. Yep. So then on... Um, January 4th, Antonio Noki beats Vader at the Tokyo Dome. Um, this is actually a pretty solid match. Um, I don't know why Anoki An won. But this is, I think this is about the last time Vader is in New Japan for a while. Okay. So, um, he debuts at the Royal Rumble on January 21st. Was it in the Rumble itself? Yes. Okay. I don't know where he got eliminated. I should have looked that up. That's all right. Um, January 22nd, he <laughs> defeats Savio Vega on Raw. After the match, he attacks Gorilla Monsoon and... A quite amazing segment. Oh yeah, call this. I remember this. Cause so if, so, do you know what I'm talking about, Shad, or do you want me to describe it? Um, you guys, both of you, can, like tell me about it, cause I don't. This is a blank spot for me. So, um, he pretty much messes Vega up pretty bad. So Monsoon gets in the ring, and they're going like nose to nose, and um, Gorilla finally has enough of it, and he starts chopping Vader. Really? And Vader, like, Vader like backs up because he's so surprised. I mean, the monsoon did that. So yeah. monsoon goes to help him, and he's he's he turns his back to Vader, and Vader splashes him in the corner. Ooh. And we're talking a guy that hasn't taken a bump in years. Right. So he needed shoulder surgery. So this is how they wrote him off until he could come back. But this segment Vader or is monsoon. Vader. Okay. He needs shoulder surgery, but this segment is awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And it, they, I mean, this is back in the day when they, 
they very they heavily kayfaved it up, but they sold it like monsoon. It was just on the brink of death. Mm. And how could Vader do this? Like the, monsoon was the commissioner at that point, right? I think it was. I think he had Jack Tunney's job. Oh, that's right. He was like the president. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like how could he do this? It's so terrible. Um. Oh, by the way, I just looked it up. Vader was uh, number thirteen in the '96 Rumble. Okay. He eliminated um, Savio Vega. He eliminated Jake Roberts. Um, Doug Gilbert. That's interesting. Yeah, Doug Gilbert and, had this weird run around then. And a squat teamer. That's how it's listed. Um, I think it's one of the. Oh, it's one of the headhunters. Oh, okay. The Simone squat team. Okay. Okay, I got you now. Yeah. So, um, and then he was eliminated. His... He was eliminated by Shawn Michaels. So, yeah. Of course. yeah. So um, he's gone until March. So, so going from here on out, you're gonna kind of see a running theme of Vader's run in the WWF. Okay, so um, March 31st at WrestleMania 12, uh, Camp Cornette, which is Owen Hart, the British Bulldog, <laughs> and Vader defeat Ahmed Johnson, Jake Roberts, and Yokozuna. That match sucks. Because uh, go ahead. It's it's Jake Roberts who can barely work. It's Ahmed Johnson who sucks, and it's Yokozuna who's so big he can barely move. I do like the composition of the Camp Cornet. You know, you've got Vader as the monster, Bulldog, Bulldog's there, and Owens there. You know, it's it. I'll, that's a nice composition. Yeah, it is. So then the next night, April first, Vader defeats Yokozuna. So. Here's where we get into the running theme of Vader's WWF career. So April 2nd uh, on WWF Action Zone, The Undertaker beats Vader. With Chokeslam, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because it is another one of those opponents he couldn't tombstone. Yeah. Um, April 28th, Vader defeats Razor Ramon at In Your House. That's probably one of Razor's last appearances mm. so he starts to work primarily ultimate warrior and yokozuna on house shows in may okay um so but you can see there like so building you know you have this nice run except he lost to the undertaker right in the middle of it just killing him dead mm-hmm. um may 27th he beats ahmed johnson in the first round of the king of the ring um so now he starts to work Ahmed Johnson and Ultimate Warrior in June. I know, sad, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, at the King of the Ring pay-per-view on June 23rd, he loses to Jake Robert by DQ. Uh, okay. He starts working with Shawn Michaels in late June because they're obviously preparing for their SummerSlam match. Yeah. Um, July 21st, <laughs> Camp Cornette, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, and Vader defeat the People's Posse, which is Ahmed Johnson, <laughs> Shawn Michaels, and This is at In Your What kind of time. name is that? I remember the team. I forgot the name. <laughs> now, uh, something I read the other day about Vader going into the WWF was that he wishes that he had let Vince rename him like Vince wanted to. Vince renaming him as Mastodon would have been stupid. 
but Vince was like fixated I, on. I hated the Mastodon nickname. But Vader feels like that he probably should have let him do it because he probably would have had more success. I don't agree with that because Shawn Michaels was just torpedoed him. Just just the attachment uh, that that um, Vince would have about making something that he created better than um, than something he didn't create come in because Vince is at least until recently has been really petty about that. Yeah, I don't know. I still think he would have run into Sean. Probably. Okay, so um, July 22nd, this is Raw. He beats Mark Marrow. Um, August 18th, SummerSlam, Shawn Michaels beats him in a really good match, but um, that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of the beginning of the end of his being good. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that match a lot, but I think this is where Sean started complaining about him being stiff. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. So then he spends the fall working with Shawn Michaels and Sid on house shows. Better than worse. Yeah, yeah that's it's true. At least, it's better than Ahmed Johnson and Ultimate Warrior every night. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to carry those two. Yeah, okay, so October 20th. Um, this is In Your House 11, World Heavyweight Title Number 1 Contendership, Psycho Sid Beats Vader. Yeah, because they were, they were talking about setting up the, um, they were setting Sid up for the run at that point. Yeah. Um, November 17th, Survivor Series 8-Man Tag Team Elimination, Fake Diesel... Farouk, Fake Razor, and Vader uh, versus Flash Funk, Jimmy Snuka, Savio Vega, and Yokozuna ends in a double DQ. Wow. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. So you have (sighs) Farouk, Vader, and Flash Funk are your best workers in that match. (laughs) And you double DQ. Wow. God. Yeah. Um, so, December 16th, Steve Austin versus Vader on Raw ends in a no contest. It was only like four minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, he starts working with Bret Hart and The Undertaker. Now, he got... Um, 1996, he was also inducted into the initial class of the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. I think that makes sense. I mean, he's given everything that he'd done and traveling so much. He also got a Slammy Award for attacking Gorilla Monsoon for most, like, dastardly act or something. I'm sure it was phrased that way, too. Um, January 19th, he was in the Royal Rumble. He also beat The Undertaker. Yeah, the Royal Rumble was always Taker's Kryptonite. So yeah. that's... That's also where he had to, like, he also died. So, you know, that's oh. Taker. <laughs> okay, that's what that uh, was. Let's see. February 16th, 1997. This is In Your House 13. The Final Four Battle Royal is how it's titled. Bret Hart defeats Steve Austin 
Undertaker and Vader to win the WWF title. This obviously came about because I believe Sean lost his smile. No, this oh. is, yeah, I think this is when he lost his smile. No. Just. Um, yeah. WWF was a real mess right about now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, especially with what's going on over at the other company. Yeah. Having a hard so, time keeping up. February 26th for the Intercontinental title. Uh, Rocky Maivia defeats Vader by DQ on Raw. This was in Germany. This is smiling I've... baby face rock, I think. Ah, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is a weird one. I don't know if this this makes it sound like it was filmed, but on March 16th on an MSG Network show, Vader defeats The Undertaker in a casket match. What were they trying to push towards? I have no idea. Anyway. See, then on um, March 17th for the European title, British Bulldog defeats Vader by DQ. Mm -hmm. Um, We get to WrestleMania 13 on March 23rd. Owen Hart and the British Bulldog defeated... No, double countout against Mankind and Vader. I really liked that match. And I liked uh, Mankind and Vader as a team. Yeah, that was supposed to be the start of Mankind and Vader having a feud, but Vince didn't want to build on their previous history. Yeah. And it never went anywhere. May 11th, No Holds Barred, Ken Shamrock defeats Vader. Oh, this is Uh, that match. This is... uh, I've heard so many different stories about that. Is, Is it that they're, like, deciding to be stiff with each other, or they sent Shamrock out there against Vader because... If Vader was going to be stiff, Shamrock was going to be stiff back. Or were they trying to teach Vader a lesson? I don't know. I've heard like four different stories about this. I just, Shamrock hammered on Vader's left thigh until he couldn't walk on it. And then Vader, like Falcon, punched Shamrock in the next week at one point. I, you know, I know I've seen this, but I have no recollection of it. Yeah. This, uh, this entire period it starts to blur together for me. And yeah, it really does for me, like, because I know I've seen all of this stuff, but I don't have a good recollection of it. But he's so forgettable, though, because they really don't do anything with him. Pretty much. Let's, let's see. see. And we, so then, let's, I think we could, we could go along with the pay-per-view stuff for a bit from here on forward. There's just so much to look at, right? It's mostly just matches with... It's mostly you can see the trajectory of his career. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So, um, June 23rd, D'Lo Brown and Farouk defeat Undertaker and Vader. I have no idea why that's a match. Um, Tag title tournament, I guess. July 6th, In Your House 16, Undertaker defeats Vader to retain the world title um he starts working casket matches with vader on house shows um july 21st he defeats shamrock by countout on raw starts working ken shamrock flash funk and triple h on house show circuit for the next couple months um august 23rd friday night's main event i remember watching this i don't remember this match vader defeats bret hart by dq 
that have been a Heart Foundation run-in or something? Yeah, because he was kind of like a face, because he was kind of working with the Patriot, I think, at this point. Oh, it was that time period. Yeah. Okay. Uh, September 8th, No Holds Barred, Bret Hart vs. Vader ends in a no contest. How does that end in a no contest? <laughs> I don't know. If it's a No Holds Barred match? What in yeah. the world? So, um, September 20th, Vader defeats Owen Hart. See, he's working with a lot of top names through here, but he's just not doing much. That was the one night only pay per view. That was um, that was probably United Kingdom only. Yeah. One. Yeah. September twenty third, Vader defeats the British Bulldog by DQ. So now this one is really weird, and this one's gonna perk Matt's ears up for a bit. On September twenty eighth, Ultimate Rules Steel Cage, Vader defeats Ken Shamrock by DQ, and this was for. FMW Kawasaki Legend 1997. Well, really? Yeah. It was the most bizarre thing. It's the only FMW match he worked. And I looked the card up, and they didn't have any other WWF guys on the card. Huh. That's odd that they would have allowed them to work that match. And they were, they were in... Um, it's not as if they ever had, like, WWE had a relationship with FMW. I think, like, ECW may have had one back in the day. Yeah, it's it's a, re- it's a really... I'm, I'm going to have to go look for this. But this also... Um, I know I said previously I don't like deathmatch wrestling, but I had to go find the Onita-Terry Funk exploding barbed wire match. <laughs> and, um... That match is really great, so they do, like, a countdown where the ring is going to explode. So they're, you know, beating each other up, and it's counting down. And Onita does this, like, dramatic, like, he lays on top of Funk as the ring explodes to, like, protect him from the explosion. And, like, just the theatrics of it is amazing. Well, that's... That's... Hmm... I kind of have a policy of never watching an exploding ring match. Because I don't really care for that. But, hmm. Yeah, I, I don't care for it either. Uh, it's not too bad by barbed wire match standards. but So then we hit, um, we hit October 5th. The Hart Foundation... Bret Hart and British Bulldog defeat the Patriot Invader. Um, this is In Your House 18, Bad Blood. Okay. <clears throat> November 3rd, Dog Collar. Vader defeats the British Bulldog. I remember watching that match. The, the Vader defeating the British Bulldog in a Dog Collar match. He just kind of... The, the Bulldog was not strong enough to move him around. Um... And so, you know, he was able to uh, he was able to get his wins, or he was able to get the win in that. Um, it, was, it was a weird atmosphere on that match. Like I said, I, I know I've seen most of this, but I have no recollection of, like, any of this. The fact that I do have recollection of it kind of disturbs me a little bit. <clears throat> <laughs> Let's see. November 9th at Survivor Series. Team Canada... 
Doug Furness, Phil LaFon, Jim Neidhart and British Bulldog defeat Goldust, Mark Marrow, Steve Blackman, and Vader. I remember this because this was Blackman's debut match, and I couldn't understand why Goldust and Mark Marrow were on the America team. Um, November 24th, Shawn Michaels defeats Vader. Um, November 25th, Rocky Maivia defeats Vader. Those were both Raws, so if you don't know, back in this time frame, they would do a live Raw on Monday, and then they would tape the next Raw on Tuesday. And then they oh. would do a live Raw every other week. That's why you get these back-to-backs. Oh, okay. Um, December 8th, Jeff Jarrett defeats Vader by countout on Raw. This was probably Aztec Jared. Jarrett. No, this was... Let me see. Well, it was Aztec Jarrett, but that was... Um, God, I can't believe I remember this. Here's what happened. It, this was in the time whenever Goldust was the artist formerly known as Goldust running around with Luna. So oh, Vader's when he, out like, there. Flashed alcohol no. in his eyes. No, this is when Vader's out there with Jarrett, and out comes Goldust wearing a trench coat, and he like stands in front of Vader and opens the coat, and they turn around and run away, and Vader chases him out. Oh, oh God! This is when Vince Russo starts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's Jeff Jarrett being like, "Hey, I've got." I remember Jerry Lawler saying, "Yeah, but Jeff Jarrett's two wins in in the WWF are now over The Undertaker and Vader because it was Kane had done something in the match that was supposed to be with uh, um, with Taker." So uh, we're. We're getting close to the end of Vader and the WWF. Yeah. So, January 18th, 1998, Royal Rumble, he was in that. Um, He also defeated the artist formerly known as Goldust on that show. Okay. February 15th, uh, Kane defeats Vader. This is a really good match, and this is probably the most over he was in the company for this match. At no way out. He was the one, this was when Kane had first shown up, and Mm. Vader was the first one to be willing to take the fight to Kane. This is when they weren't sure Undertaker was going to come back because they, didn't they set his casket on fire at Royal Rumble or something? Mm, I don't, I didn't think that had happened yet. No. Well, anyway, he was kind of like, I think he was kind of that, like, last hope for stopping him at the time. Well, you had, yeah, because this is after Kane had beaten up Mankind, and then Vader went at him. Kane went after Vader, so Vader went at Kane. Kane beat him by clubbing him over the head with a wrench, so Vader had to, quote-unquote, remove his mask. Who cares? And that, no, that, was, it... that was that was later. Was it? Okay. Yeah, then I've, I've got my... I've got my timelines mixed up. So, um, he kind of disappears after this, because I think this is when they were trying to get him to lose weight. Yeah. Um, so, he actually makes his New Japan, I mean, no, I'm sorry, his All Japan debut the 1st of May. Johnny Ace and Kenta Kabashi defeat Stan Hansen and Vader at the All Japan 25th anniversary show. Good lord. 
Yeah. I wonder how long Johnny Ace and Kobashi were walking bruises after that. He um, well, as long as as long as uh, Johnny Ace's tongue was okay, he's fine. <laughs> he was still with the WWE at this point, so I guess my confusion is like, did they was he kind of just on the outs? Or there was he just did he go to them like, hey, can I get this Japanese he, booking? And they're like, yeah, whatever, we don't care. He's gone by. He's gone by October. Mm. So they probably were just like your contract's running up anyway. So yeah, go ahead and knock yeah, yourself out. Crap. So yeah, yeah, it's it's Japanese uh, promotion. Like they're not going to be airing in the United States. Who cares? Yeah, we don't we don't care if you take bookings with them. I'm sorry. I should have introduced him as uh, Mrs. Baba's fav- favorite wrestler, Johnny Ace. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so May 31st, Mask vs. Mask, Kane defeats Vader. Now, I do remember this one at the time, because I thought this was stupid at the time, because everyone knew what Vader looked like without a mask on. So why is his mask on the line? Because they couldn't come up with any other stakes. That one was just stupid. It is. It's absolutely stupid. Um, the, uh, yeah, now, this... it, it was after this that Kane and The Undertaker had the Inferno match. And when they had the Inferno match, Vader ran in on that, basically to hold Kane in place for The Undertaker to dive on them. I don't remember the Kane and Taker Inferno match. It was the first Inferno match. That was I hated that gimmick. It was it was stupid and it looked bad. Well, because it well it was stupid because whoever had sleeves on was going to lose. The very first one was because uh, the very first one they set Kane's boot on fire. Um, but then the the next one was Kane's sleeve. Yeah. So I don't think Kane ever won one. No, it's kind of like Taker and casket matches. There's just he didn't win his own. Uh, his own gimmick. Yeah. Okay, so... 15th of June, King of the Ring, qualifier, The Rock beats him. He's doing house shows at this point against DX, Mark Henry, Mankind, and Kane till the end. He's just punching a clock to the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, September 29th, Mark Merrow beats him on Raw. That's his last televised match. His last... WWF matches October 25th um, at Madison Square Garden. Ken Shamrock defeats him and Mankind in a triple threat match for the Intercontinental title. Oh, that's what got Shamrock his... Did he have the Intercontinental title at that point, or is that when he picked it up? He has it at this okay. point. So then, uh, I um, was very happy in that time period because I've always been a Shamrock mark. December 5th, 1998, the finals of the Real World Tag League. Jun Akiyama <laughs> and Kentai Kabashi defeat Stan Hansen and Vader. <laughs> Another one where the guys probably didn't walk out of there. So, uh, the t- Tokyo Sports, which is a daily sports newspaper in Japan, awarded um, Stan Hansen and Vader... Uh, tag team of the year. Really? Yeah. 
they have a long running. They have. I looked this up. They have a long running like um, wrestling awards yearly. Oh okay. So they do like best wrestler, like best tag team. There's a couple they give out. Okay, gotcha. So January fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine, Vader defeats Kenta Kabashi. Um, March sixth, Vader defeats Akira Tawe for the vacant Triple Crown title. Uh, March twenty eighth. First round of the Champion Carnival, he loses to Mitsuhara Mizawa. April 6th, um, Champion Carnival, Vader defeats Akira Tawe. April 16th, Champion Carnival Final, Vader defeats Kenta Kabashi. May 2nd, Mitsuhara Mizawa defeats Vader for the Triple Crown title. August 30th, Vader defeats Hiroshi Hase. September 4th, Vader defeats Mitsuhara Mizawa. That's just a singles match. October 30th, Vader defeats Mitsuhara Mizawa to win the Triple Crown title. He teamed up with Johnny Smith in the Real World Tag League that year. The Wrestling Observer awarded him Most Improved Wrestler for the Year. That's interesting. So you can see, like, he feels like the old Vader again. Right, right. So then, um, January 10th, Jun Akiyama and Kenta Kabashi successfully defend the tag titles against Johnny Smith and Vader. January 23rd, Vader successfully defends the Triple Crown against Jun Akiyama. February 17th, Vader defeats Toshiaki Kawada in 13 minutes and 34 seconds. I want to go find that match if it's yeah. out there. Um, I've heard uh, this is like a period where I wasn't, I didn't really watch um, Japanese wrestling and I haven't really gotten tapes, but I've heard nothing but good things about this period and particularly like Vader's run. From what I know, I would say he was probably like a breath of fresh air and like this injection of like much needed variety into their main event scene. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this, I, this actually looking at this makes me want to go back because these are interesting matches. Like, especially like looking at his career, like in this format, it's like, Oh wow. These are all these like new matches and he's working long again. And, you know, probably has some of that aura like back. Mm-hmm. So then let's keep going here. So, February 20th, Steve Williams and Vader defeat Jun Akiyama and Kenta Kabashi to win the tag titles. Uh, February 26th, Akira, Akira Tawe and Stan Hansen defeat Giant Kamala and Vader. I only notated this because this is the last time that Vader and Stan Hansen meet in the ring. Oh, okay. And this is not, like, the real Kamala, right? No, I think this is, like, fake Kamala. It could be real Kamala. No, I don't think so. I think they had, I I think, some sort of fake Kamala around this time. There was, like, Kamala 2 for a while, I think. I think that's this guy. Let's see. Um, February 27th, Kenta Kabashi defeats Vader to win the Triple Crown title. 
Um, Vader moves over to Noah and the Exodus that follows. So this is this is towards the end. Like he really doesn't make a huge impact in Noah past like the first couple of months. So um, he does uh, he does form a tag team with uh, Too Cold Scorpio. Yep. So that's an interesting mix. They had um, success in in Noah yeah. at least initially. Yep. So on October ninth nineteenth uh, two thousand and one. Scorpio and Vader defeat Akatoshi Saito and Jun Akiyama to become the first GHC Tag Team Champions. Um, let's see. December 9th, 2001, he loses to Jun Akiyama for uh, in a GHC heavyweight title match. His- I... I feel like I actually saw this match back in the day. I think I actually got it off uh, Jeff Lynch. This is probably when Noah was getting... Was This is like, I think, right before Kabashi wins it and mm-hmm. they get really hot. So I think they're making a name for themselves. So um, his last appearance with Noah is 1-15-2003. Pretty much down the road, it's a lot of tags. Um, I think he and Scorpio unsuccessfully challenged for the tag titles a couple times. So, uh, February 26, 2003, for NWA Total Nonstop Action, Dusty Rhodes and Vader defeat the Harris Brothers by DQ. <laughs> Lord. So, this one I put on there because it's a weird, it's just an oddity. Hey, it 5th, certainly is. June 5th, 2004, for Jersey All Pro Wrestling. Mike Awesome and Vader defeat Dan Maff and Samoa Joe. Huh, you know, I actually would... Yeah, I'd be curious to see this match. Yeah. Because I want to see... I want to see the interaction between uh, Joe and Vader. Yeah, it'd be really interesting. I'm probably going to go look for that. I bet that's out there pretty easy. So he also makes an appearance on Raw in 2005. He helps Coachman with something, but I don't... Was this the infamous fat piece of shit? No, that was... No. I thought that, that was that was in regards to Kane. Oh, okay. They help... They interfere in some match. Yeah, like Coachman, Coachman pays them to do something, and they don't do it. Like, he, he's, he's trying to recruit them to go jump somebody, and they end up not doing it. Yeah. So then he makes um he makes two appearances for New Japan and Tags in 2006. Um his final appearance for All Japan is in 2012. I uh, he did like oddball like six mans and stuff for like nostalgia pops. Mm. Um so June 11th of 2012 Vader defeats Heath Slater on Raw. I remember watching that. It's Slater time, and then... Yeah. And, and you know, Vader beats him up. It, that was fun to watch. And, of course, Heath Slater's willing to, to pinball off of everybody. Yep. Um, so then, August 12th, 2000, well, 2016, Vader defeats Will Osprey for Rev Pro 
Um, this came about over the Best of the Super Juniors tournament and the him criticizing the Ricochet versus Will Osprey match. Yeah, that's um been a weird like not sure if it was shoot or if it was work or what it was and the uh, I think he just was trying to get a payday which he got. Uh maybe. So the these aren't super important. These are just historical oddities. So there was this uh Tatsumi Fujinami 45th anniversary tour in Tokyo that he was on. So he worked three tags in that. So um these are just kind of funny. So the first one, Ricky Choshu. Oh, these are 2017, April 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, Ricky Choshu, Shiro Koshinaka, and Tatsumi Fujinami defeat Akira, Keiji Mudo, and Vader. So then on the next two nights later, it's Koji Kanemoto, Shiro Koshinaka, and Tatsumi Fujinami defeat Takuma Sano, Vader, and Yoshiaki Fujiwara, and then it's Riki Choshu, Tatsumi Fujinami, and Vader defeat Shiro Koshinaka, Takuma Sano, and Yoshiaka Fujiwara, and then his final ever match, which was May 25th, 2017, Vader defeats the Iron Man. Was that the last one? Yep. Yeah. That's the last one that's recorded that I saw. So we've had a God, he had a long run. And it's unfortunate that um there was there were a lot of missed opportunities. On the other hand, there were a lot of opportunities that were uh you know, that were taken. It was really interesting to like actually just break someone's career down match by match and like seeing the the trajectories of his career just by like the matches. Mm. And his WWF run is really like uninspired. Like, like I mean, I because I know it's... I know all three of us saw most of it, and I don't remember much of it. I remember it there because I remembered Vader, but. It was just kind of, you know, he was just kind of there. He was just kind of a spot on the card. And anybody who had been booked the way he'd been booked would have been the same way. So, you know, what are you going to do? Matt, are there any other thoughts you'd like to add in? No, it's just uh, he had an amazing career. Um, And honestly, I know we focused more on the uh, United States stuff because that's what we grew up with but i mean he his his run in japan too is just tremendous and it kind of inspires me i want to try and track down some of those like late 90s early 2000 matches he he was in in particular yeah just and i want that kawada match really bad now there's you know we're the four the three of us have not made any secret about being um you know, being fans of Vader's work. And so, you know, it's it's just... After the diagnosis they told everybody about, we knew something was going to happen, and we just didn't know when. So... You, you know, it does kind of piss me off, though, that they couldn't have gotten him in the Hall of Fame while he was still alive when it obviously meant a lot to him. 
Yeah, he was. He and Foley were both campaigning for it, and it's it's not they couldn't have gotten him in the Hall of Fame. They just didn't, and that's that sucks. You it know, does. that's 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 really kind of awful. And now he's going to be the headliner for the next class. Now that he's gone, it's like seriously, guys. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yep, I'm probably going to sign off, and first thing in the morning, I'm going to get my Jeff Lynch catalog out and look for that Kawada match. <laughs> there you oh, go. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Um, this has been a two-part retrospective with looking back at uh, the career of Vader. We want to thank you all for joining us, and um, we'll be back next time with, I think it'll be another What a Maneuver episode. So... Hey, we've been in three corners. You've been in the fourth. Thanks for joining us. Y'all have a good night. <laughs>